Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we're doing a big rumor roundup, not only the iPhone 15, but also iOS 17, maybe even iPad OS 17. I have a CarPlay now. I want to talk about that. My experience is there. Google updated its Authenticator app and maybe you don't want to use it anymore. And what are the alternatives? This episode is brought to you by Headspace and Notion. And joining me this week, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? It's okay, Stephen. Uh, thinking about CarPlay over here, too. I oh. recently came upon a vehicle, but it does not have CarPlay. So that's another uh, story. Yeah, see, see, CarPlay, it's like the one part of the Apple ecosystem where I had zero experience. Pre- like, pretty much never used it. I drive a 2011 Kia Soul, so there was never a chance. But I got a device. Uh, I'll talk about it maybe towards the end of the show, and I've been using CarPlay the past few days. It's interesting. Yeah, it's I, interesting. Love, I love CarPlay. I mean, other than the fact that this car was... Uh, nice and cheap. I normally would not buy a vehicle without CarPlay, but I can add it. So yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. There's more options for that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we can talk about that. One five-star review shout out, Gav from the UK. Thanks for that review. Now we do have a bunch of rumors and, you know, typically I try to reserve the rumors to the mid show, but we're, we're in a little bit of that uh, tech drought, you know, before WWDC, we're about a month and a week away from the big event where we're going to hear all about Apple stuff. Apple's clearly not having an event before then. You know, we used we did have an April 20th event a few years ago back with like the M1 iMac and the M1 iPad Pro, but no event this year. You know, Apple's released some things in press releases between January and March, but I think we're in here for the long haul now until WWDC. I don't think we're going to see anything else. Yeah, I mean, Apple employees, if you follow them on social, are already talking about, yeah, we're, we're knee-deep in uh, preparing yeah. for WWDC. There's there's nothing else. Yeah, so speaking of which, there's been a bunch of rumors flying around now. We'll go iOS 17 first, and then we'll talk about the iPhone 15. But iOS 17, obviously we're going to see it at WWDC announced. The keynote is June 5th, June 5th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Of course, we'll be covering it on the website. I'll be doing a recap episode that day. I try to get that out as fast as possible to get kind of just the big news out there. But some of the rumors, and a lot of these come from Mark Gurman in his Power On newsletter about what will be seen with iOS 17. And one of the latest developments is that Wallet and Find My, those apps are going to see some significant upgrades, maybe even redesigns in iOS 17. This is exciting because I think those are two apps that could really use some love and some additional features that I know listeners and myself have been asking for. So we'll go through just a few that I'm looking for and then we can discuss in depth. But the ability to share Find My items, especially like an AirTag. You know, right now, once you pair an AirTag with the Find My app on your device, no one else can see that. Like you can't share the location of that device as well as other Find My devices. So the ability to share those, streamlining the whole device versus item categories in the Find My app, which is a little weird. Sometimes you'll see something in the device. Sometimes you'll see it in the item tab in the Find My app. We'd love to see that kind of streamlined, better categorized. I think being able to temporarily share the location for a Find My device, just like you could share your own location for like 24 hours with someone. I think the ability to share a luggage, like an AirTag, if you're traveling with someone, I think that would be great. And I do think Wallet needs some love too. I feel like the Wallet app, you know, removing tickets that don't automatically expire. You know, if you buy tickets from the big names like Ticketmaster, a lot of times they'll set their passes to expire and they'll go away. But like for my wife's orchestra here in Central Florida, they do have digital passes, which kudos to them. You can use the wallet app to do the tickets, but then you actually have to manually remove each individual pass. And for me and my three kids, it's like tap the three dots, hit remove. So just seeing some of those wallet features be improved would be nice. And I also, I don't know about you, but I've used these like third-party apps to create wallet passes in the past. So like if you're going to a conference and let's say the conference doesn't have a built-in wallet pass that you can add to your phone. There's these third-party apps where you can add either a URL or scan a QR code, and it will create a pass for the wallet. This way you can have it in the wallet app. I feel like Apple could build that into the wallet. This way you can just use it. You know, So if you see a QR code for a conference, you just open the wallet app, say create a pass from this, gives you a couple fields like the title of the event or time and date, and then you just off to the races. So those are some of the things I would love to see. Do you have any frustrations or any updates you hope to see in Wallet and Find My? Apple created this deliveries thing that they don't even support yet. Oh, if you right. rem- if you remember last <laughs> year, they they announced deliveries. Yeah, will show up in Wallet, and I have I think four total, and it was like from uh, Shopify clients uh, because Shopify I think Im- uh, implemented this, but yeah. everyone else, Amazon, uh, Cotton Bureau, Amazon's not gonna Amazon is never gonna support it though. That's the thing. <laughs> but that's again, but that's also the thing. Like, why can't I just do like the other third-party trackers, uh, like uh, 
deliveries deliveries and parcel yeah why why can't i give them a thing and have them just source the data from a url because it's once you have the url there's no login usually and deliveries does a great job like you can log in with your amazon account into the deliveries app and you can add any of your orders in just a few taps and you get like the day of delivery it's not like fedex is the one carrier here in the us where it will not like pull that data via the API deliveries has to send you to the website to actually see it. But Amazon, the deliveries apps figured it out. So I feel like you're right. Like Apple could surely get the wallet app to do that. Yeah. I'm I'm not one to say go Sherlock everything, but this feels like one of those things where you already have the delivery system, make it, make it work or, or get people to join. This is, this is the TV channels thing all over again. You just created this system and then didn't really incentivize anyone to do anything about it. At least support it for Apple devices. Cause I literally just ordered something the other day. Yeah. Not in the wallet app. <laughs> Not here. Anything you buy from the Apple store doesn't even just show up. It's just right. super weird. More apps just need to support it. I mean, oh, or Apple's mail app should just be able to take oh, this is a concert ticket, this is a uh, airplane ticket, let me just right. import its barcode, right? Because most of the time you just receive that in PDF form. That's true. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be on the developer's end. I mean, I feel like a lot of this could just be data entanglements on Apple's side that they could figure out. I know I would, there could be, I feel like even an API where like Delta Airlines could build in the auto boarding pass where as soon as you check in in the app, the boarding pass is just in the wallet app. You know, because you still have to do right. that add to wallet thing and then it shows up. I feel like there could be some kind of API, I would imagine. I I, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a million opportunities here for them to step up to the plate and make this a little bit more uh, user friendly. Again, because like what regular person is opening the wallet app on a regular basis? Right. I know us nerds like to go in there and play and make our own passes and uh, collect all of our movie tickets and the expired tab. Like, that's great. But no one else is really doing that. I feel like Star like Starbucks might be the one... Right has that gets people to open the wallet app and at least from my experience that one is actually really good at automatically surfacing on the lock screen whenever you're near a starbucks so you almost don't need to go to the wallet app you could literally just tap it on your lock screen and also one last thing on the wallet app now that we have the savings account i do think there needs to be a little bit more of a distinction between the apple savings and the apple card because right now you go to your apple card to view the apple card the Apple savings, I guess, or you can go to the, no, so you can't even go to the Apple cash card and then see the savings account. No, you have to go to the It's Apple only card. an Apple card. And I've, I've written about this a few times now. The limitations are striking to me. Did you set up Apple savings? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm using it. I've been trying to use my Apple card more now. Does your checking account allow you to automatically go in the wallet app and say, deposit money in Apple savings or withdraw money to my checking account from my personal bank? Does it allow you to do that? It does. I can go, there's an add money button. And if I do add money, I can choose an amount, choose my checking account, and then, yeah, it deposits it. This, I feel like this is getting missed by a lot of uh, tech reporters because they're probably banking with more national banks. I bank with a credit union that's local to like my 100-mile radius. And right now, the only way to get money to and from that account uh, well, actually, to the account from it is a different story, uh, is using the routing number. So I'd have to give my banking institution the Apple savings routing number and account number and transfer money the old-fashioned way using the American banking system. Yeah, if weird. I want to get money out, I have to transfer it to Apple Cash and then move it to my checking account. Yeah, and that's, and that's I think a lot of people are in that situation and they're not, I just haven't really seen it reported. Huh. Uh, I'm going to try to, to do the um, verification thing, but... I heard it's difficult. I started to do it and it just popped up and said, yeah, that's not great. Yeah. So (laughs) Apple savings, early days. Yeah, it's early days. All right, let's get to some other iOS 17 rumored updates. The lock screen might be seeing some changes where you can adjust the font sizes for, I imagine things like the clock or maybe even widgets, which would be nice. Control center, obviously we've heard that that's going to be getting some updates, but a big one might also be song lyrics on the lock screen as you're playing Apple music. I think that'd be a great choice. You know, a lot of times it's nice to see the album artwork up there as you're listening to something. But if you want to turn on lyrics or maybe do like a little karaoke, but you just want to be able to see it on the lock screen and not have the app open, that'd be pretty cool. Down for that. Interesting, I guess. I don't really understand the use case here um, other than just a cool factor. Well, what did they just say? <laughs> I, think, I think the use case is like, wait a minute, what did they just sing? And then you could just maybe just look down. Yeah, the, so it's a good Shazam element. Um, I think also hints a bit more at the iPad's lock screen getting a little bit more useful. Uh, I could imagine having my iPad on a table 
with now playing you know that big album version where you tap on the album artwork yeah yeah live activity having that on my ipad mini or ipad pro on a stand on a table and then having lyrics associated with it leaving my screen on or on a future always on display sure. so like i feel like that's the next step that we're going to and that that's interesting to me on the iphone it's less interesting yeah and now this is a big one and this might be a larger conversation but side loading mark german says that this is possible that apple will begin building the framework for side loading or possibly even third-party app stores into ios 17 but German is careful to say that it, that this could be a Europe-only feature. He says, quote, I think that they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot and expand this globally if they don't have to. And this is in relation to a European law called the Digital Markets Act. This was a law passed in July 2022. It goes into effect May 2nd of this year, so next week. And the act aims to force businesses like Apple to provide substitutes to permit third-party app stores on their platform and alternate payment mechanisms, all to try to get around Apple's 30% or 15% if you're a small business, that App Store transaction fee. All right, first, um, none of this will get people past uh, around Apple's 30% transaction fee. If you use third-party App Stores, you will still get billed by Apple. I promise that is how yeah. this is gonna work. So yeah, none of this has to do with the 30% fee. I th it, It's 100%, the EU and their regulation, and kind of like what the US is trying to do, kind of what uh, Australia is trying to do this, and Germany, there's there's multiple countries discussing these kinds of bills. Their argument is that App Apple is anti-competitive because it sells the hardware and manages the software. It's not that like the question of where payments are coming from or how much they're getting or percentages is never in any of these bills. That hasn't really come up. And that's the fight Epic keeps losing. They're trying to say that the 30% shouldn't be allowed. And again, like in the appeals court, they've lost their case. Uh, Apple's uh, app store is found not to be anti like an antitrust issue. Mm. The payment systems haven't been found to be poor in, in the United States anyway. Um, and they're going to continue appealing, of course. But um, as far as these bills go, like in the EU, it's specifically targeting the fact that the app store is controlled by the entity selling the hardware. So just like with USB-C, the EU just feels like they want a more universal option. So developers will still have to comply with Apple's rules on their platform, even if they're operating in third-party stores. And that's and that's something we've discussed on the podcast before. This isn't going to be some kind of workaround. This isn't going to get away from Apple's things. There will be illicit stores that try to avoid these things. There's always going to be illegal activity in the background, but the people following the rules will have to get their third-party app store approved, will have to pay Apple for any Thing, any money that they earn, even when they're not using Apple's in-app purchases, it may not be 30%, but it'll be something. Right. It will be an alternative to Apple's App Store, but not uh, a workaround, I don't think. Hey, I totally see this being geo-locked. You know, if Apple is not forced to allow third-party app stores like Epic Games here in the US, I don't think they would just because. You know, if, if they cannot do it, I think they will not do it. I think there's a, it, it's a struggle here. So two things, if Apple has to build an iOS that enables sideloading, they're not going to ship a different version of iOS to Europe and, and the United States. The only, what they would do is maybe lock the feature behind closed doors saying in America, right. this feature is, is in the code, but it's unavailable. And people would right. probably use some sort of VPN trick to get around it. Whatever it is, I think Apple wants to avoid that situation where people are trying to get around security protocols or importing phones from other countries in order to access this. And the United States isn't done regulating Apple. The bills just like the EU's App Store regulation are constantly being proposed in the United States. And it's only a matter of time before something like this happens here. I don't see this being some sort of different iPhone or different uh, iOS distribution going on in different countries. This is just going to be how it's going to be. And part two of this is what kind of damage will this do to Apple? And I think it's negligible yeah. because we have data that shows that if you look at the Google Play Store, right, and Android, they control most of the planet's smartphones, but a majority of users use Google Play, even though there's right. dozens of other stores, even Samsung, uh, Huawei, Xiaomi, whatever, they all come with these like seven different app stores on their phones when you buy right. them. I mean, if, I don't know the last time you bought a Samsung phone, but there's still the Samsung store, the Play store. Uh, Sony has its own store, right? Like 
all installed and people still just go to Google Play and download things because that's where their credit cards are. That's who they trust. And and it's built in. It's the app store that's on the phone as soon as you turn it on. I'm also going to just throw in here because then we can finish the legal talk. Yeah. But there was a decision in the Epic trial. This goes back two years now, but when Epic Games took Apple to trial over the whole Fortnite thing, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has now affirmed the lower court's decision from two years ago where there was actually 10 different counts that Epic was trying to sue Apple for, charge against Apple. 10 different things like third-party app stores. They were trying to force the legal action to have Apple open up to that. And the Court of Appeals just affirmed the lower court in denying 9 out of 10 of those stipulations. And so Epic Games has now kind of really, I don't know if you want to say lost, but you know they lost 9 out of the 10 things. The one part from this whole case that changed how Apple actually functions is the steering mechanism, which means that app developers can now, and since this case happened two years ago, they can put a link to their website in their own app so people can sign up for whatever paid subscription or whatever. And this was like the Hey.com debacle where Hey was like, hey, sign up here and it loads in Safari. Well, Apple would kick the app out of the app store if it had any link to the outside website where someone could pay for the service and not go through Apple's payment plan. And so that actually has stayed and developers can put the link in the app to steer users to the website to sign up for their service. Anti-steering has always been anti-consumer. If I open the Netflix app, yes, Netflix doesn't want to have to pay the 30% and Apple wants the 30%. So there's going to be a fight there, but it's Netflix's prerogative to send people to the website. If people don't care and want to pay the extra $3 to get their subscription inside the app store, that's their decision. And this is one of those things where the consumer should be in control, not Netflix, not Apple. Both buttons should be the equal size right next to each other. Log in with Netflix, log in with Apple. The log in with Netflix button takes you to a website to sign up, right? So don't see why that should not just be on the consumer end. But again, Apple is going to make the money that they can where they can. So, And I will say Apple's response to this court upholding the lower court's decision, Apple said, we respectfully disagree with the court's ruling on the one remaining claim, meaning steering, under state law and are considering further review. And so if you, if you just want a perspective on like Apple's stance on all this, Apple would still prefer to not allow developers yeah. to put a link to their website in their app. And that lawyers are going to lawyer, you know, lawyers be lawyering. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's just, I, I don't understand the idea that Apple is fearful of third party stores. I don't see them yeah. as a threat personally. All right. Before we get to the iPhone 15 rumors, I do want to mention just very quickly when it comes to iOS 17 and maybe things we'll see at WWDC, I'd love to see some, more granular control over iCloud drive storage. I don't know about our listeners, but I pay for a lot of iCloud storage. Like I have the four terabyte plan and I have a lot of files in there, some video files. I actually have a shared folder with Andrew O'Hara. And sometimes we have to put the video version of HomeKit Insider in like a folder and those sync. I am hoping that Apple adds more control rather than just optimize Mac storage. Because right now for your iCloud synced folders, which is basically the desktop folder and the documents folder on your Mac, and I keep a lot of my files there because I do want them backed up to iCloud. I wish there's a way where I could tell a Mac, especially my laptop, to say, don't sync these folders locally. Don't download these files, even if I've just added them to a folder, unless I explicitly say so, which is a lot like Dropbox's selective sync, where Dropbox will keep everything in the cloud until you check a folder and say, download this particular folder. And my MacBook Pro 14 inch, it's getting to that like 100 gigabytes free, which I start getting a little leery of like, I want to start cleaning some stuff out. But a lot of the storage is actually iCloud drive storage of files that are local, but I can't delete them because I, I want to save the files. I want the files to be in my iCloud drive and I can access them in the cloud but I don't want them locally on device. And as far as I can tell, I don't, I'm going to check right now because I've actually not tried this before. I don't think I can like right click. Oh, you can remove download, but you have to do that on each specific file. Very manual process. This is definitely one of those systems where it's Apple saying, don't worry, I got it. And I'm not as much of like a power user. I'm not saving YouTube videos and stuff. So I'm not filling up memory like other people might be. But I mean, Generally speaking, I've not really encountered issues from 
the storage filling up now not to criticize your concern because i feel like there should definitely be more control over always keep this file local always keep this file cloud and like be able to have very specific designations more granular control that all sounds great but on the other end of the spectrum I, I i think it goes back to like swiping up on all of your apps to close them because it might make your phone run faster it was definitely the kind of thinking where if you a hard drive a, a spinning disk drive uh slowly fill up with data it could slow down as it tries to transfer data and those you know there's there's issues with a something like that filling up but with the prevalence of solid state drives, I don't think it's as much an issue, but everyone still sees that local storage slowly filling up on their iPhone, iPad, Mac, especially losing their mind when they see that gray other bar taking over because it's a bunch of caching data. And they're like, oh, I want to control this. And the iPhone and like Apple's just like, no, we got it. If we need the space, we'll erase it ourselves. Yeah. Don't manage it. Don't worry about well, it. Well, then I would love a slider that said only allocate this much SSD space for iCloud Drive files. There you like, go. Like, okay, iCloud, download whatever you want, when you want. A disk manager. <laughs> yeah, ne never more than 100 gigabytes. You know, don't ever download more than 100 gigabytes of iCloud Drive folder storage. I'd be down for a slider. Kind of kind of like creating a partition, saying this partition of my hard drive can only use 20 gigs of data or something. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I'm not going to do that. If there's any listeners that are like, oh, just make a petition and put the iCloud Drive folder there. No, I'm not. No, yeah, no, that's not, yeah. No, I, I realize that's that that's possible, but- You could literally do no, that. No, thank you. And yeah. some people do that. I've heard the ATP guys talk about saving their photo library, the actual library file in a partition so you can max put a cap on the amount of storage that's used because photos is the same way. You can choose to optimize storage, but there's no granular control over like never download more than 20 gigabytes of photos at a time. But Steven, why don't you just buy a 200 terabyte Synology and just install well, it in your server rack in your basement and then yeah, you'll never have yeah. to worry about storage again. Listen, <laughs> I have a Synology. It has a number of terabytes, but... I can't edit video off of it. No. And no, no. it's still, it's not, I mean, transfer is fast-ish. It's a spinny disk thing, right? You're not running SSDs down there. It's a spinny disk. Yeah. No, no. I don't have, I don't have like Millions eight terabyte dollars, SSDs yeah. in there. No, 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 no. Yeah, still 7,200 RPM. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. Especially in the last few years, I think we've all realized just how important mental health is to our overall well-being. You know, it affects the physical side, not only just the emotional side. And just in my family, mental health has been an important aspect. I've tried to increase my skills and knowledge about it. And I have to say, of the books that I have read and the videos I've watched, the Headspace app is actually one of the most useful resources when it comes to mental health and mindfulness. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I have done it personally for several years now. Just a few minutes every day makes such a big difference. They have special programs in there for fear of traveling or stress. Or if you just feel overwhelmed, they have these SOS, just kind of emergency sessions. And I've shared the tools and ideas that I've learned in the Headspace app with others, and they have also found it really useful. Headspace helps to improve your mental health through guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. Headspace combines scientifically proven benefits of meditation and mindfulness with modern practices through experienced meditation teachers. They have personalized approaches to help you navigate through all of life's moments, big and small. And there's a wide range of teachers with diverse backgrounds. Headspace has the world's largest library of content with over 1,000 hours of clinically proven mental health exercises. It has truly been a game changer for me, my family, and those around me as I share Headspace. Headspace has helped me and more than 1 million people worldwide, and they can help you too. So listen up. You don't want to miss this. They've arranged something special for a limited time. All of you can try Headspace for free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash appleinsider30. You won't find this offer anywhere else, and you have to use our link, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E, -E, Headspace, just like it sounds, dot com slash Apple Insider 30 to unlock all of Headspace free for 30 days. Try it for an entire month, the entire program, anything in that app you want to try completely free. That link is also in the show notes. You can just click it there. This is not something they normally do. Headspace.com slash Apple Insider 30. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. All right, last thing for software stuff, iPadOS 17, there's this quote-unquote analyst. No. On Twitter, he's analyst941. He's saying that there's some code, possibly an iPadOS 17, that is alluding to a larger iPad screen size. 
maybe an iPad Ultra or Studio model, which is a rumor we've had in the past. I mean, we've had larger iPad rumors, but apparently this particular leaker is kind of getting uh, poo-pooed by people like Mark Gurman. And so I know you've had to deal with <laughs> this or whatever. So should we just take what he has to say with a grain of salt? I mean, is that what we're looking at here? So we talked about this last time I was on the show, and uh, that's when they made their first appearance. Um I think literally like the day before we recorded. So it was all very new. And I came on the show and was just like, look, yeah. all of this, because he, he basically released a list of like 15 things that are coming to iOS 17. I went through, I wrote the article. I, I kind of just examined what he had to say. And long story short, I said, this is all stuff that like you or I could come up with. If like based on previous leaks, based on iOS 16, just Apple's trajectory, blah, blah, blah. Even I had actually manifested some of these things in an iOS 17 inside page that I wrote about like, this is everything we could be expecting. Right. And a lot of them were already hit on before he ever made a leak. Yeah, I removed them from the leaker list and I'll remove them from my Twitter because they just kept going. They just kept, yeah. they, they, they did the thing that a lot of these new quote unquote leakers do where they get excited at the attention and just keep talking, keep talking, keep reaffirming, uh, believe me, this is happening. And on top of that, here's this new thing. Here's this new thing. And half of the new things were things we already knew about or, again, conjecture and a few instances, just things that just could not happen. So I, I'm, I'm on here again to say, like, I'm not declaring war against this person, but I will say that there's one of three possibilities here. One, they're making everything up, which I'm not accusing them of making everything up. Let me be clear. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a possibility. I don't see it Possible. as reality, though, because why would you self-sabotage like that? Well, we're just going to find out in six weeks. <laughs> WWDC is right. going to come and go, and all of this is going to be wrong. Like This is mountains of information they've come out with, and it could all just be wrong or most of it wrong or conjecture. And sure, they can come out and say, well, they scrapped this at the last second, whatever, but no one, no one cares. You just, you got it wrong, buddy. I don't recommend doing that guys. If you ever go out and yeah. become a leaker, uh, be more conservative <laughs> and you'll be more believable. I promise you making stuff up. will quickly get you removed from our list of people to pay attention to. There are right. thousands of people on Twitter posting every day. Hey, this is a leak from Apple. It's nonsense. Right. Um, this person will just get added to that list and will never pay attention to them again, whether they're right or not. Uh, another option is their source is very confident. Therefore, they're very confident in their source, right. but the source is just incredibly wrong or the source is making things up and lying to this mm. analyst 941. Yes, like I think that might be the case because this exact thing happened to John Prosser. If he had the Mac Mini leak that didn't pan out, the Apple Watch with the flat, the flat sides. Apple Watch. Uh, he shaved yeah. his eyebrows. Um, the he did shave his eyebrows. The the yeah. iPhone Classic Edition. He even said that the Apple glasses will have a Steve Jobs style. Like there's a lot of weird information coming through for a bit there. Yeah. Anyway, so Prosser still makes videos. He still makes you know, you, but a lot of it's more focused on news and reporting other people's rumors. We haven't heard a right, right. John Prosser Apple exclusive in a while. He did say the uh, the Pixel. His last thing was the Pixel Fold or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. He hasn't had any Apple. His stuff. Android exclusives are good. They're solid. Uh, he's yeah. he's really good at that, and I'm glad he's still doing it. Yeah. John Prosser is fine. I don't have a problem with John Prosser. I think John Prosser, come on the show if you're listening. I'd love to talk to you. This guy, this uh, this analyst nine four one feels like that in a way because again, go just go back in their tweet history. They came out aggressive. They challenged like Mark Gurman to a duel on Twitter. Is like yeah, you, you know, much. come and prove me wrong, Gurman kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, dude, yeah. No, relax, buddy, calm down. Relax. Like you have some information. It sounds interesting. A lot of it sounds like conjecture, but they kept coming. But if you're going to be a leaker, just, you know, with, withhold some information, take, sure. put out what you are confident in and is good enough to get in the headline to say, Hey, analyst and I one had this really cool information about iOS 17, get proven, right? Do it again. Rinse and repeat. This this fire hose thing, it's not going to work. All right. Well, I want to jam through these because I actually have some news at the end. I do want to talk about CarPlay, but iPhone 15, just a quick rumor roundup because we had an article on the site. iPhone 15 look like smaller bezels, USB-C, which we've expected. Pro models will have titanium edges, a periscope zoom camera, meaning there's like lenses that are refracting inside to give a, you know, a longer zoom thing because it'll be sideways on the phone, you know, like a periscope in a submarine. So anyway. Periscope zoom, possibly secondary selfie camera, A17 Bionic processor, Wi-Fi 6E, which makes the most sense of everything uh, because, you know, the iPad Pro M2 has it. The new M2 Pro MacBook Pros had Wi-Fi 6E. 
And also the iPhone 15, so the non-pro models may be getting the dynamic island this year, which makes sense. Apple usually has that kind of TikTok cycle where the pro models get something. Next year, the regular models do. And then there's this all this hullabaloo about the switch or silence button, whether or not it's going to be a toggle switch like it has been since the first iPhone, or if it's going to go to an actual physical button. Maybe it'll have some haptic feedback. Maybe you'll be able to change the functionality. I'm still unsure how I feel about that. I feel like if it's a button and it gives me some haptic feedback when I press it and the phone is on silent, and then if I press it and the phone is not on silent, it doesn't buzz, maybe that will be enough feedback, kind of like how it is now. I mean, if you flip the silent switch on your iPhone, it'll give that little haptic feedback, let you know you're in silent mode. You flip it up, nothing happens, let you know that sound is on. I guess a button would be okay like that. Something about that switch, though. I just really like the switch. I hope it doesn't go away. I, I'm excited about all these features, first of all. I, I sure, like sure, I sure. like the idea of, you know, uh, again, we're getting A16 in the regular iPhone 15s. We're getting A17 in the higher-end ones. That means Wi-Fi 6E is exclusive to the high-end iPhones. Uh, we know that the Periscope camera is likely exclusive to the Pro Max version of the phone. Apparently, the, the camera bump is getting bigger, but it's not going to be enormously larger like the original iPhone. Go way back. Original iPhone 15 leaks claimed that there was like this double chin of a camera bump going to happen. It's not happening. Um, and we have multiple sources now reporting. Um, they're, they're, they're all agreeing like, yes, this camera bump, it's going to be slightly bigger on the Pro Max. It's going to be a different, uh, a similar camera bump, but smaller on the Pro. And then the cameras on the regular phones will be improved, but the camera bump's not really changing. Uh, so all, all of that's come through. This rumor cycle is finally solidifying into a tangible device, but we got to talk about the buttons. It's all come full circle. Uh, we're back to physical buttons. They look identical to the iPhone 14 volume buttons and, and sleep wake button. And then what will change, and it has been now through three, I think, different credible sources, that it will now be a button instead of a switch for the mute button. And now, finally, outside of the us guessing at what it could do, there's at least two different sources that I've seen saying that it will be a program programmable button that you can assign actions to, kind of like the action button on Apple Watch Ultra. Mm. I mean, I like that idea, like being able to run a shortcut or, you know, press it and then have a shortcut menu come up. But I wonder where the silent mode will be buried. I mean, imagine in the control center. Just, but... you know, tell Siri, say out loud, um, Siri, turn <laughs> on silent phone. mode. Mute the phone. Um, mute, mute my phone, Siri. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do I, that. I do have a, I have a question for you. So what do you think about the a middle ground for the buttons? This is completely <laughs> hypothetical. What if the buttons are physical and you press them and they, they do things, but yeah. they only work with skin contact? Therefore, the button can't be hit like in your jeans pocket uh, or in a bag, but your fingers have to be pressing on the button. So it's a capacitive. No, cases. People want cases that cover the whole thing. Oh, yeah, that, no, right. Well, so, 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 capac so capacitive touch is actually not that complicated. It's basically using electricity that's naturally generated by your body right. to, um, that it, it's how touchscreens work, right? Yeah. That's why you can use a hot dog to touch an iPhone and it'll still work, <laughs> right? Because the electricity's passing through the hot dog. Right. If we did fun titles for this show, the elect, maybe I, maybe hot I'll dog do it. Maybe I start this week. The electricity passes through the hot dog. <laughs> right. If we, if we had fun titles. Yeah. Similar idea to styluses, uh, the, the inactive styluses, um, they still work because uh, they're, you're, you're touching them physically and they're anyway, the buttons could work the same way on a case. Uh, again, the, yeah. they, the buttons physically depressed, but the case would have to have a special capacitive pass through. You can make it so the button will only be pressable when the screen is on and, or it's unlocked. Cause even the, but like the volume buttons right now, if my phone is locked, and I'm clicking the volume buttons, it doesn't change the volume. Really? If I have something play if I have something playing, it will change the volume. Right. But there's no like volume slider that appears when my phone is just like True. You know what I mean? I, if I but if I unlock it, now the volume slider appears. I'm still on the lock screen. It just saw my face. So face ID unlocked the phone. And now the little volume slider appears. And clicking the volume buttons does something. So I feel like that makes sense. Maybe this will be super configurable. I, people have this thing where they say they can lock their phone from their pocket or whatever. And I, I understand that that's a feature that they enjoy. I think that's just going to go away because unless they make it so you can toggle the button to work without unlocking the phone, which I'm sure might be a toggle in settings. Yeah, yeah. I have to assume that the default will be this button only does anything when you're looking at the phone and it's unlocked. I'm, st I'm still amazed that I can get butt dialed by people 
with modern iPhones. I still don't know how that happens. Like, I don't know if they have, like, I have people who have Face ID enabled. I guess, I think what I see people do is they put their display lock, like, pretty high, like, five minutes, so it won't lock for five minutes. They'll have their phone unlocked. Rather than hitting the sleep button and turning off the screen, they'll just put it in their pocket, Mm -hmm. and somehow their leg through the pants, touching this phone screen, manages to (laughs) tap somebody's contact. It's amazing. I don't even know. It's amazing. My dad has this, you know, janky Android phone, but it's the same concept. He, he, yeah, he just doesn't lock it. He doesn't sleep it. He doesn't really understand how phones work. You know, he's kind of avoided technology for the past 30 years and just you know in the last five suddenly discovered hey phones are a good thing to have in your pocket and he's you know (laughs) like 60 gosh he'll be 70 this year barely got the concept down that this thing turns on you dial a number and and sure he has access to google and stuff but he's just completely tech literate as you can possibly be uh and he gets frustrated with it it's one of those situations like i'm i'm slowly trying to teach him how to use it but it's a whole thing but yeah he's definitely the world's worst at just he doesn't know how to hang up the phone uh, when he's done with a conversation he'll just put it in his pocket um the phone app will just be open and he'll just be dialing people in his pocket um right. while he's walking around i don't know but yeah this I, I think that's just something like that's that's a human behavior thing i don't think we can right. deal with people just putting their phone in their pocket unlocked yeah well we'll see that's the roundup we have some renders of course in the article you could check those out this episode is brought to you by notion Guys, I've used Notion for several years for research, for planning, even planning this podcast and videos that I'll be producing. Notion is an incredible tool helping you organize your thoughts, your to-do list using Kanban boards. I love how flexible Notion is and how I display the data and the things I'm trying to put in there and how it helps me format it, linking, embedding videos, all of that. But now Notion has an incredibly powerful tool called Notion AI. I've been using it for the last several months. And of all the AI tools, when you can have AI right in the place where you're already doing work, already doing research, it is incredibly useful. And that's what Notion AI does. Imagine you're typing a document and you need help, maybe just changing the wording a little bit, or you just have a few bullet points of ideas and you want to make that into a whole blog post. You can literally just select that text in Notion, click the Ask AI button, the Ask Notion AI. It'll give you several prompts, so if you're not sure how to use AI yet, it'll help walk you through, give you some ideas. But then you can ask Notion AI to do anything. You can say, make this into a blog post. Make this into a video introduction script that I can read. Something that I use Notion AI for is, here's all the headlines of the articles we talked about. Give me a podcast episode title ideas. Give me five ideas, and then I can choose from it. Notion AI can do all of that in just a few seconds. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. You just tell Notion AI what to do, the more details, the better, or you can start a prompt and go from there. Have it write a blog post, make an outline, brainstorm ideas, or summarize a whole bunch of docs. That's really useful too. For a limited time, try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com slash Apple Insider. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash Apple Insider. Try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting the Apple Insider podcast. This is a limited time offer. Try Notion AI for free right now at Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N.com, Notion.com slash Apple Insider. The link is also in the show notes. You can click it there. Our thanks to Notion for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Real quick, some other updates that might be coming. Apple Health, the app could be coming to iPad, which would be a welcome feature, especially like I wanted to use health with my son and his family set up Apple Watch, but you can't do the medications app without an iPhone. So it'd be nice if they added that. This, you know, this has come up multiple times now on this podcast. Health feels so much like a tool. Make it a destination. Make it something I want to go look at. There is some interesting information in there about my sleep patterns and my heart rate. Yeah. I I just, I I, I go there and I poke around. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I close it and I I leave it there for six months. Yeah, my Apple Watch is tracking all of this, but I don't, it's just not a destination. Why do I care? It's a shame because it really is a powerful application, like the amount of data that it can store. Mm -hmm. And especially like I just had labs done a blood test from uh, Quest Diagnostics was the place I went to have it. And they can you can literally log into your Quest account and they will pull in all of those labs into the health app. And the health app will actually give you information about mm-hmm. every lab. Like it'll say, here's your vitamin D or whatever. Here's the recommended range. So you might be a little low. And that's not from the lab place telling Apple Health. That's like Apple's data analyzing your labs and giving you some insights. So it's a really powerful app. It just has to be redesigned, I think, in a way where it's visually appealing, brings 
the most important information. Give us a dashboard. Give us a dashboard. And you can favorite certain health items. And I do have that. So when I open the health app, there are certain items that I want to see on that front page. And you can see that. But like with sleep, like you were saying, uh, my wife uses the, I think it's the Sleep Plus Plus or the Sleep Watch app. And it just has a really nice graph of the night. So it'll show you like these are the hours you slept, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. or whatever. And here's like parts where you were in deep sleep, parts where your sleep was interrupted, all that kind of stuff. And Apple, like the way they're displaying that sleep information is just not as helpful. It's not as digestible at a glance. And so redesigning some of that. And then in addition, some of these rumors are that they could be adding like an AI coaching tool. This could be something that might even be next year, but like basically analyzing your sleep patterns and your exercise and, and activity that it could make even more attuned suggestions to your body. Also a journaling app could be a part of it. And even being able to like track maybe mood and other like emotion side of the health stuff. And you can input that and then you can really get a comprehensive look at like how you're doing. Right. So there's a lot of apps already that exist, uh, journaling apps and such that are a mood yeah. tracker. You can pick different smiley faces before you do your diary entry. That's all cool. The AI coaching side of this sounds really interesting to me. I am not bothered by the idea of a little Siri thing popping up every now and then throughout the day to say, hey, you know, how you feeling? Do you just did a workout? You want to you want to sure. log it in some way? Or did you eat lunch or your right. your heart rate appears to be increased because you're metabolizing? What did you just eat? You know, like <laughs> sure, uh, sure. like like there's a lot of ways that this could work out. And like I want it to be more interactive in a way that's intelligent like help me log more data make the data more useful to you have, have a bit more of a conversation about it and that's if there was ever a place where an ai chatbot thing could work for apple this is one of those places i think and one of the things that my wife's sleep app asks is every morning it'll say do you feel very rested somewhat rested or not rested at all and then it will aggregate just that little bit of manual data to say okay you say you don't feel rested at all when you have this much interrupted sleep or you have or you went to bed at this time. And so there's a correlation now between the time you actually go to sleep and how you feel the next morning. And then it can surface that data. That's a pretty simple correlation that Apple could do if it started just using Siri and maybe some AI to proactively ask you those kinds of evaluative questions. Steven, are you a journaler, a diary keeper? Listen, no. I do. I, I, I just want to say, I, yeah. And this, this is, uh, I don't want to get too deep or, or emotional or whatever, but you know, my dad passed away last year in November. He was an avid journaler and he literally has books and books and books, one little red book per year of his life. There are some years he missed and, you know, he has some notebooks or whatever, but he has journal, he journaled his entire life. And I have not brought myself to like go back and read those, but the fact that they exist and I could go and read his words from 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or last year it is like a really meaningful thing. And I'm glad that he did it. And so I know that there is great value, not only in the future, like for my kids to read, but I know there's great value even in doing it for yourself right. today and just like getting that stuff out, writing it down, good for mental health. But no, I don't do it. So you listen to you listen to Cortex and you don't keep a journal. That's that's I know. I do listen. I listen to I tried the time tracking, I've tried journaling. <laughs> and it's just one of those things again for me, like when I see a blank journal page, be it physical right. or day one journal app. I feel like I need to like be verbose and like write at great length and I, I shouldn't. There's there's different things in the way I classify it is a diary is like, you know, dear diary, I, I talked to this uh, person today and this is how I feel. Sure. A journal, sure. and that's what I, I keep as a journal. I mean, I, I like the data oriented stuff and day one does a good yeah. job of bringing in, this is the weather for that day. This is how many steps you took. Uh, it has right. access to a few of those data metrics using Apple's APIs. I generally just write something... You know, it's very brief, couple paragraphs. This is what I did today. I played this video game. I rode my bike to this place. I talk, you know, I did this with my family and very short and sweet. If there's more to say, there's more to say. I have some entries in there that go for hundreds of words, uh, yeah. but most of them are a couple of paragraphs about the day that no one's going to have in any interest in. If my kids somehow dig this out later, again, this journal, this this is for me. Um, I mean, it's not really for historic archives. So if someone went back and read it, they're not going to gain a you know very good insight into my life. They'll see some bits and pieces here and there where there's more dramatic events, but sure. not amazing as far as an archive goes. 
I don't know. I have like a 200 something streak in day one. I've That's done good. it for more than a year before and then I missed like a month and then I started over. So I've been using it uh, consistently on and off for the last like three years and I really enjoy it. Okay. I, I just wanted to bring it up because this is actually very intriguing to me. I wonder, yeah. is this going to be apple health and there's going to be like a tab inside of it that's called journal that asks you about your heart it was high tell us yeah. about it you know and is it going to be something silly and stupid or would it be a, a complete standalone app and i would love that from apple i think it'd be i would hope and think it would be a standalone app you know apple's not afraid of more apps you know right. they have free form out there clips you know they'll, they'll make a new app but one that integrates so directly with health but is that standalone app that you can just open and from someone like me, I would appreciate being able to program that app to give me a notification at 9 p.m. every night or 10 p.m. every night right. and ask me some questions, kind of like the Cortex journal method. You know, ask me some questions that I can answer quickly, and then that will give a trend over time of like several areas of my life. Correlate that with the health app, my sleep, Apple Watch, like all of that together. And then when I open the health app, like you were saying, give me a dashboard that says like, Hey, here's like where you've been the last six months, you know, and the, and maybe even like how you felt, you know, emotionally and, and, you know, input big life events. Like I don't have a place in Apple's health app or anywhere to say like my dad passed away on this date this year. Right. And like, obviously I will never forget that date, but that is an important data point. And with all the other information around like sleep tracking and other stuff, it would be interesting. I'm pretty morbid as a, as a person. I put that in my contacts. If I have a contact for someone who's passed away, I keep it in perpetuity, but I put their death day in there too. Is that actually a field you can do or is it you just put in the notes? Custom field. Because uh, you, you can actually say like there's anniversaries, birthdays. You can actually go in and say like put a custom entry, put in whatever note you want to say, you know, date of death or whatever, and say this is, and put that in there. But that's what I yeah. usually do. And that shows up uh, in your calendar as part of your context um, integration. No, no, no. Well, I, I, it's interesting you said that because I've been dealing with my, my dad's Facebook account. Right. Because there is this option to memorialize a person and you can still have all of their data visible. Like people that. can visit it and stuff. Yeah. But you can't log into that account anymore. And you can download all the information. So you can like download all their posts and pictures so you can have it locally. But then you memorialize it. I've not gone through that process just yet. Because I have to read more about what it all entails. I also don't know about the iCloud ramification and like how to memorialize that. Because there have been times where like we still have his phone and I will go to his phone because his pictures are there in the iCloud photo library. And I, I don't exactly know like where to download those just yet and what to do with it. And so you, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a weird problem. I, I've always been very open about this stuff so forgive me if i'm being no, no, obtuse no, no. but i mean i would i would just get an ssd and label it dad and just put yeah, it all on there, on there you know i mean yeah. like uh, that's just me personally i mean uh my parents are getting up there and i expect to have to take care of this and these are things that i've thought about you know and it's it's tough but yeah. not to end on such a morbid no no no, no. I, I did i did want to uh point out so i i'm very hopeful for this journaling app because just yeah. wow like th think about it so if you take photos, those you don't have to oh, give yes. the journaling app the photos. They're just part of Apple, so Sheesh. it would just say you took yes. you took these photos on this day. You oh my goodness. you got directions and drove this many miles on this day. You can see this trip that you took over. You know, it's all there. Apple Health Game wow. Center. Apple Music. This is the playlist you listen to on this day. This is how many hours of music you listen to on this day. All of that data is oh, Apple's. And wow. yeah, I get it. Sorry, day one. That the 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 CEO came out and said, "Wow, we really, you know, getting Sherlock is never good news." I I know, I get it. And if Apple does this right, because they can do it right, sorry, I will jump ship, streak or not. Like I will happily, yeah. Because Apple has all that information. I don't have to give them anything they'll already have it. So the journal entry will already be filled out with all of this metadata from everything that I interact. Right. You talk to this person on this day. This was your iMessage conversation with this person. If you right. Do you want to save, oh do you goodness. want to save this chat with your mom on this day as part of your journal entry and have it show, Ooh. you know, like I don't like, again, because it's all there. Once your device is unlocked, it's unencrypted at rest in that way. You'll have, all of this data you can just pump into this thing and Apple could just reach in and grab it for you. 
automatically. And then the only thing that you as the human have to do is say, write your three paragraphs about the spaghetti dinner that you ate and then move on. Right. But like going back and seeing all wow. that, that would be amazing. I would love Wes, that. You just, you just blew my mind, honestly, to think about the, the possibilities of that kind of integration. Because like even last week I did a field trip to Legoland with the family Took a bunch of pictures. I used iCloud shared photo libraries. So my wife and I, like we were able to share pictures as we were taking them. But if I could have had a notification that evening to say, hey, look like you went somewhere. Here's where the people in the photos you took mm-hmm. because facial recognition in photos is pretty good. Said so it looks like you were with these people, you know, your kids, your mom, your wife. And it looks like you went to this and here's some of the stuff that happened. Like, just tell us, you know, give us a sentence about the day or just say it was a great day. Mm-hmm. And that could just be a, a time capsule we're, of everything. That would be amazing. We're already 90% of the way there. Just like with a lot of these right. features that I bring up with Apple, like an Apple social network, we're already 90% of the way there. They just have to connect the threads. Photos already do- creates memories. But guess what? They're they're lost. What? Like going yeah. through those memories, oh. if you go in those memories, they're there and you can see all of them through all of time. They're in this little catalog and photos. You have to go find it, but they're so hard to uncover. Imagine Wes, if, if Wes. In the journaling app, there's just a calendar of oh. all of your memories, you know, Wes, it could recreate Wes, it could rector, it could retroactively yeah, create, create journal entry, yeah. just like the photos app retroactively created those memories. Apple I want music, this so bad now. I Apple music so replay. <laughs> yeah. Apple music replay has oh, all of your uh, music data from, the last back to 2015 uh you know apple maps has all of your traveling data the photos app has all of the every location you've ever been and took a photo in generally speaking if you're a human being with a camera phone and you go somewhere that isn't your hometown you probably took a photo so all of that history is i don't know i'm just saying like so the date that you went the photos that you took that could all just populate in a journal Wes, I've never been so excited about a journal (laughs) app but this is really like truly yeah i mean and again steven I hate to burst this exciting bubble because it could just be your heart rate went up at noon. Do you want to write something about it in the health app and this six layers deep note, like, like note sticker that you put anyway. So we'll see what it looks like. I'm excited. Yeah, if, very exciting. if Apple doesn't do that, someone go make this <laughs> figure yeah, out how yeah, to I ingest mean, be, all this data. Wow. Yeah, it would have it would have to be Apple though to be able to access yeah. all of that because it's all encrypted. Especially like the photos is mm-hmm. such a huge deal. That's why like, it's interesting. If the wallet app was redesigned, so if you like have concert tickets in the wallet yeah, app, you went to this see concert that you on this went day. to the concert and the here's, photos you took. Forget about here's, it. Here's here's the ticket stub. Oh. Uh, you know, forget about it. All right, <laughs> uh, all right. We're very quickly Google Authenticator updated its app, so it's now cross device. And basically, if you had the Google Authenticator app before, you could save all those two factor codes, those temporary six digit things, in the app on your local device, like your phone but they wouldn't sync to other devices. And so if you lost that one device or upgraded like I did years ago and didn't move all those Google Authenticator things to the new device, you would lose them and it was a pain in the neck. So now the new app does sync cross device. So you can have the Authenticator app on your iPhone and your iPad. Those two-factor codes will be in both places like 1Password, like iCloud Keychain. One caveat, and this was from a tweet from MISK, M-Y-S-K. I'll put the tweet in the show notes. Apparently... When it's syncing your two-factor authenticator codes, which is each each two-factor has like a secret key, those two-factor are not being encrypted as they travel, as they leave your device to be synced over the cloud, and it's saved in your Google account. But it's not end-to-end encrypted, so I would recommend Google yeah, like they did. Maybe not. Don't don't enable it. Yeah, they they made a statement. I saw somewhere Twitter probably they made a statement saying we're working on this and it will eventually be end-to-end encrypted, but it's it's not right now. Yeah, so don't enable it right now. Yeah. I've been using iCloud Keychain more and more. I think if, if we see some big updates to WWDC, I'm going to go all in. Keychain app. Keychain app. You I'll created this password it. on this day. Would you like to add it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You created an account for, I don't even know. Yeah. I wanted to mention too, Apple Watch, eight years old. The original Apple Watch came out April 2015 and pretty wild. There were some pictures going around. Basic Apple guy, you know, he had a nice post and I, I posted pictures from my review, because that was actually my first big tech review, was the original Apple Watch. I got it on launch day, the stainless steel with Milanese loop. I have the big review for Apple Insider. I wrote it there. And just, yeah, it, it was nostalgic to know. Crazy to think it's only been eight years, but it also feels like a long time. Like, it's hard to put my finger on it. It feels like it's been a long time, but not at all. Yeah, it feels like I've always had it. I, I do remember having a Pebble, uh, Pebble Steel. Um, I had a Sony Smartwatch 1 and 2. All of those were just, you know, fine. 
I even had the iPod you clipped to a wristband um, and wore it as a watch for a while. But once the Apple Watch came out, it was just, it was definitely, silly as it sounds, life-changing. Like, it changed how I use technology. It changed how I interacted with technology. And uh, I've yeah. literally had one on my wrist every waking moment since one arrived in my home. Um, other <laughs> right. than when I need to charge it, really. I mean, I... Yeah. Same. you know swim with it or uh work out with it yeah. sleep with it on i want like once that became possible i sleep sleep with it on but yeah 99 percent of the time it's on me and then it's charging otherwise it's really cool i do have one thing before we close yeah steven uh, because of a little bit of nostalgia here i have this app that i've kept around for a while it's just fun to go poke at every now and then it's called fitness stats go download it for me fitness and tell me a couple of your numbers here. I'll go ahead and read this off. Oh, Lifetime sheesh. totals, September 25th, 2015 to present. I don't know why that's the date. I assume that's when the health app launched. Um, Cause mm. I, I think the Apple watch launched earlier in the year, but I don't think like all of this was really weird and early until the fall when watch OS one actually came out. Yeah, wait, did you say fitness stats, fitness stats. Okay. I can share it with you if you need me to. Is it $5? Yeah, I got it. Ooh. Yeah. That's right. I just bought it. Okay. Um. Anyway, so my stats started in September 25th, 2015. Someone can tell me why that's significant. I'm assuming that's when the iOS version released with the health app. Anyway, Active Energy. So this this app is cool. I like it because it just tells you <laughs> these ridiculous numbers. They're, they're completely useless, but um, it's fun to look at. The total number of thing since September 25th, 2015 for me. Active Energy burned 1,227,000 calories. <laughs> yeah, that's a, mine's 1,958,000. See, you're, you're working out more than me. Uh, I, guess so. I only have 572 hours of exercise time logged. I'm sure. Well, what's your like, workout workout duration? Uh, see, again, like you're, uh, this is probably going to be awful for me. Only 119 hours. So, see, I have 100 hours. Okay. So maybe, maybe hours, I'm not so yeah. bad off. All right. That's weird. What was your exercise time? Uh, 572 hours. See, that's weird. I have 394 hours. Maybe, so maybe I'm just wearing my watch more, or maybe there were a couple of years I didn't wear it. I'll okay. be honest. I, yeah. Cause I, I mean, that's fine. Like I, I, I've just consistently wore mine since it, since it came out. I've always had it. So what's your steps? Last one. 11,518,000. See, I have 16,918,000. I feel like you're walking more than me. You're also in Florida. There's more to see there. I, I'm just kind of surrounded by, well, some, you know. I will say I worked for a travel company when I first got the right. watch. And when I would go on tours overseas, it would be like 10 days of nonstop walking for six hours a day. Here's <laughs> And so those few trips might have put me ahead. Here's the one I like just because it's grueling to think about. How many flights of stairs have you climbed? Oh, wow. 5,920. I have climbed 7,937 flights of stairs. Wow. I used to live this on- This is a, actually really cool. Yeah, this is a fun app. I like just opening it every now and then and just looking at it. Um, We'll get that in the show notes, but- Yes, yeah. it's in there, yeah. Very cool. Um, All right, we don't have time for CarPlay. I just want to say I got this thing called CarPeride. It's hmm. basically like a nine-inch touchscreen, uh, and it works with wireless CarPlay, so I don't have to plug my phone directly into it. I can still just charge my phone on the Belkin MagSafe charger I had in my car, this CarPeride screen, it plugs into the cigarette lighter. I have an aux cable going from that into the aux jack of the car. And when I start my car, the screen starts up. Nice. My phone connects in a few seconds later, and I have CarPlay. So do you? Cool. So what does your dash look like in your car? Do you have a CD player, tape player combo with no screen? <laughs> I have a CD player with like this red, ugly digital screen. Again, it's a Kia Soul so, 2011. Okay, so it's one of those like CD players with Sony that has like the scrolling, yes. like this is what you're listening to. Yes. Okay, yes, yes, yes. so... I have uh, briefly one minute. So I have, yeah. I, I, I recently, I didn't have a car for years cause I didn't need one. I work from home and girlfriend had a car, blah, blah, blah. Just, I was paying a $500 car payment, sold it, whatever. I've, I've had cars with CarPlay before. Um, purchased this, uh, 2016 HRV Honda. Love it. Has a like six inch screen, non-touch screen, no CarPlay. I'm so upset. I'm going to rip out the guts of this car and put in a, CarPlay unit shouldn't be should be like four hundred dollars yeah. to get it all done. I just yeah. wanted to ask you one quick question. Yes. What do you do with your phone now that you have a CarPlay on your dash? Do you still mount it on a MagSafe mount somewhere? Do you just keep it in your pocket? Do you tuck it so away somewhere? What do you do? So I've only had it for a few days, so maybe that's why I'll go more in, in detail next week. Sure. But I've been just been leaving it on the MagSafe charging mount that I've had. But my eyes are going to this big old screen. Right, right, right. Because if I'm doing directions, beautifully displayed now on this thing, text messages are actually 
it's more convenient because it will read aloud automatically. Like and it is will that not suction show you. cup to your to your dash or your windshield. So it actually came with a CD player mount. Nice. See, that's so that's it better. like goes into that's this. Better. Yeah, it goes into the CD slot and sticks it there. And so okay. it's like the perfect height for my car. It's working good. Car and driver has a the IntelliDash, and it's kind of a okay. dash thing. It's the same idea, just anyway um yeah, yeah. i'm looking into to solutions and i'm trying to figure out what to do for myself but i'm excited for you that's cool yeah well, we'll, we'll do a follow-up and uh, i'll be using it more this week and so yeah yeah very cool man you blew my mind about that journal app listeners let us know if you're excited now for a journal <laughs> app from apple as i am uh, you could tweet or mastodon wes and myself all that information is in the show notes you can support the show to get an ad-free version and early access both directly in apple podcast and at patreon.com slash apple insider Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.